0: Listening to the Sermon Podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about twenty minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Hi, everybody. This
1: is Josh Raleigh. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy during this weird time. Hope we're all back at church soon. Definitely miss everybody. Our scripture reading for today is going to be Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. I will be reading this from the New Revised Standard Version. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, and he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. Amen.
0: Thanks for that reading, Josh. And thanks again to Paige and Lex for our special music for today. That was awesome. Um, now, you guys at home, you have to you have to humor me one more time, okay? I just, I got, I got one more of these in my system. We got to do another, another He is Risen round. Are we ready? Ready for it? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for that. I just, I, I had one more in there. I just, just had to get it out. <laughs> now, um, it's okay with everybody. I want to just pause for a second. Don't actually hit pause on the video. Just keep the keep the video going. I'm I'm gonna pause myself. Um, but I want to just I want to just pump the brakes for a sec and acknowledge the obvious. I wanna I wanna um, address the elephant in the virtual room, if you will. <laughs> um, but this feels kind of weird, doesn't it? Like like as great as it is to connect virtually like this as as close as we might be able to come in in this sort of space to something that vaguely resembles like our normal in-person worship services there's something kind of weird about doing Easter like this right like do you feel that I know I feel it like like I'm I'm wearing a suit right now like I usually do for Easter I I dress up for the occasion you will you will not see me in a get up like this uh, most weeks right this is this is not how I dress very often but this isn't even a full suit. Like underneath, I've I've got I've got jeans on, right? I don't know if you can see this. I mean, I'm I'm not even wearing shoes right now. You know? So so like clearly clearly something is off here. There's a number of churches out, th- out there, uh, believe it or not, that aren't even doing Easter today. Like I'm part of a few online groups for pastors and there are a number of churches out there that are just they're they're holding off. They're hitting pause. They're delaying Easter this year. They're basically extending Lent until all this is over. Because this feels a little odd, a little anticlimactic. And so there's a lot of churches out there, a lot of Christians that are asking, can we still do Easter? Can we still celebrate the empty tomb? Can we still yell out, He is risen! He is risen indeed! Even when we're apart. You know... This actually kind of reminds me of something that happened right after 9-11. After the September 11th attacks, you had basically like 24-7 news coverage. Pretty much every channel was news, news, news. Um, All the normal TV shows were put on hold. But then I remember uh, one of the first shows that came back on the air was actually one of my favorite shows of all time. Saturday Night Live, great show, SNL, classic, fantastic show. Um, And on Saturday Night Live... They had this big to do at the beginning of their very first show back on the air. They had all these firefighters and first responders gathered in the front of the studio. It was awesome. Like uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani was there, and and this was back when Giuliani was was America's mayor. You know, we're we're not talking about the Giuliani of today, which uh, you know. But, but anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, I remember I remember Lauren Michaels, the creator of SNL. He was there too. He was he was up front with all these firefighters. And Lauren Michaels turns and he asks the mayor, Can we still be funny? To which Giuliani replied, Why start now? Good joke, right? It's a, it's a funny joke. Um, but this feels a little bit like that for me. Like, can we still be funny? Can we still do Easter? Can we still be joyful and talk about resurrection at a time like this? But then I read our scripture passage for today. This... Uh, this account of the resurrection from the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm pretty sure this has to do with the time in which we find ourselves, but um, there's some stuff that I noticed in this passage this time around that has never really stood out to me before. In fact, what I want to do, I really just want to read this passage again for you all, because I don't really think it's possible to read the story of the resurrection too many times. So here's one more time, Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, I've heard this story told at least a hundred times. I've seen it in different mediums, plays, movies, children's books, but there are a few things in this telling that stand out to me, details that I never really picked up on before. And the first detail is the fear that's described in this passage. The resurrection is a terrifying event. These women at the empty tomb, they experience fear at the sight of the angel. The guards are so scared, they become like like dead men. More on that in a minute. Um, But even when they encounter the risen Christ, it says that these women left with fear and great joy. Fear and joy married together. (laughs) That's the empty tomb in a nutshell. You know, for for Christians, Easter is usually a time of triumphalism. You know, it's this time of pomp and circumstance. We we sing, we celebrate, we blow trumpets, we shout, He is risen, He is risen indeed. We've got the joy part down really, really good. (laughs) But I think we struggle a little bit to capture the fear. The anxiety of Easter and the empty tomb. That whole not being quite sure where all this is headed. You know, uh, what's coming next? The waiting, even in the midst of resurrection. That's the part that I think is really pronounced in a time like this, a time of of worldwide crisis and pandemic. You know, we have these two women in the story, uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. You know... The other Mary. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, thank you, Matthew. Very descriptive. Um, But but we've got these two ladies, and the resurrection story begins with these two women out for a walk in their neighborhood by themselves in the early morning when they find the empty tomb. Now, How many of us can relate to that right now? How many of us uh, have been out for a stroll alone or maybe with a friend or two in the last the last week, the last couple days? Um, how many of us are watching this video right now by ourselves in our homes? Maybe maybe seated in our living room or our office with, with one or two other people? Meanwhile, the other disciples in this story, the other followers of Jesus, they're all off hiding in their homes, sequestered, uh, sheltering in place. We might even say quarantined, right? <laughs> like like Jesus's other disciples on Easter morning, they're all in their homes cut off from the rest of the world, afraid, not sure when it'll be safe to go outside again. Do you see what we're getting at here? Yeah, like, like this Easter just might be the most biblically accurate and authentic Easter any of us have ever celebrated. We might actually be closer to the experience of the first disciples by celebrating Easter in our homes, you know, joyful, but also a little terrified. And the disciples aren't the only ones gripped with fear in the story. We also find the guards, Roman soldiers, representatives of, of the state, who are so stricken with fear, the text tells us they become like dead men. Now, there's a real sense of irony going on here. Matthew is, is throwing a little jab at the powers that be, and you know me, I'm, I'm always down for that, you know, fight the system. But remember that when this gospel was written, Christianity was not the behemoth world religion it is now. It was just a it was a tiny little Jewish sect. It was a, a persecuted religious minority within another persecuted religious minority, living under the thumb of the Roman Empire. But the resurrection turns all of that upside down. Because normally the dead stay dead, right? I mean, that's that's been my experience, at least. Uh, a resurrection is not an everyday thing. <laughs> But in a world where the dead are raised, well, anything is possible. We come to the empty tomb only to find that Jesus, the dead man, the guy who was executed by the Romans, he has come back to life. Meanwhile, the guards, the official representatives of the empire, they're so gripped with fear, they become like dead men. Those with ears to hear, let them hear. The dead have returned to life. And the authorities, the rulers, the the powers that be, they're basically dead. You see what Matthew's doing here? The the resurrection of Jesus is this subversive act that turns the whole world upside down. Now this present crisis we're in, this this, uh, coronavirus pandemic, it's woken a lot of people up to just how, <clears throat> how broken and unjust the power structures of our own society are, right? Like, like, we're seeing how dangerous it is for everyone when certain segments of our population don't have access to medical care, for example. Um, we're also seeing some of the downside of the global marketplace we all enjoy that allows us to, to consume anything we want from wherever we can find it, anywhere in the world, anytime we want. I mean I know I really like getting my avocados for, for 78 cents in the middle of December. <laughs> but but maybe there are side effects to our consumption habits that we weren't quite so aware of before. And then we have like the minimum wage workers, right? The folks who work the cash registers and, and uh, the food uh, distribution chains who 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 often work long hours with with very few benefits and low pay, they're now essential employees. And one of the only things helping us maintain some semblance of normalcy in the midst of this crisis. I mean, talk about talk about the first becoming the last and the last becoming first. And we've really seen like two kind of broad but overlapping, equal but opposite reactions to this new reality in which we live. One is this sort of like whiplash effect that says like, that's it. Everything has to change right now. We can, there's there's no going back. We can never go back to the way things were. And I have some hope that maybe that will prove true. Like maybe, maybe we'll learn a thing or two from this. We'll We'll be able to make some changes that will actually push our society and our world in a more just and God-honoring direction. I would like that. That would be awesome. On the other hand, though, there's also this much more cynical side of me that knows that human beings have a really hard time learning from our mistakes. And more often than not, when crisis hits, we make all these big promises about how we're going to change our ways, do things differently, and then eventually, when things start to go back to normal, it's just business as usual. And that's really the, the other reaction that I've noticed in this crisis, is sort of like, let's get things back to the way they were. Let's just get the wheels of the economy rolling again. Let's, let's get life back to normal. And that's totally understandable, right? Like, that's, that's a logical reaction. Trust me. I've been living at home with two preschoolers for four weeks now. I am longing deeply for a return to normalcy. But we are a resurrection people. And the resurrection, if it's anything, it is not a return to normalcy. The resurrection is not business as usual. Jesus wasn't just resuscitated, right? Like He didn't didn't just die and then come back to life just like he was before. No, no. He was resurrected. And resurrection is about new life. It's a change. Resurrection reclaims what was lost, but then it lunges forward to take hold of something new. Because remember, that old order, the old way of doing things, it's gone. The dead have been raised, the guards are like dead men, the world has been turned upside down, and now things will never be the same. The resurrection is a call to new life. And I really think that call has has different layers to it that look kind of different depending on where we're coming from. Like I know, like for me, the last few weeks have really revealed the frailty of our present order, the, the fragility of our way of life, all, all the things that like in normal times we depend on for like safety and security, stuff like, like money, power, the marketplace, our jobs, uh, social ties, our health, all of that is just so fragile. And I feel like for me personally, I have this new sense of, of like just how quickly all that stuff can go away. And so for Christians, I think this, this really comes down to a discipleship issue. Where are you putting your trust? What is it that you have faith in? Where is your identity rooted? And what other elements of your life, as good and valuable as they may be, what other elements run the risk of becoming idols that sort of distract us from rooting our identity in Christ? Idols that will eventually fail us and let us down. And then if you're not a Christian, like if you're, if you're not someone who's bought into all this, you, you haven't made the decision to, to follow Jesus and root yourself in the resurrection story, well, then maybe this crisis is an opportunity to reflect on where your hope lies. Like what, what things still stand in the way of faith? Where have you placed your security? And what flaws or cracks in that system have you started to notice in this time of social upheaval and isolation? Maybe this is an opportunity to think about your own connection with God however you happen to understand that. To reflect on what it would look like to follow Jesus, to embrace this resurrection life for yourself. And if that's you, if that if that sparks your interest, I want you to know that I'm here for you. Even even from a distance I'm here. So reach out to me, shoot shoot me an email, shoot the church an email, give us a call. We will connect. I'll do coffee with you over Zoom if I have to. <laughs> Because I would love nothing more than to hear your story, to talk to you about like big ideas about life and faith, and maybe talk to you about Jesus as well. And you know, that offer goes for the Christians in our midst too. Maybe, maybe this Easter in the midst of crisis is an opportunity for all of us, Christian or not, to really think deeply about where our identities are rooted and just where our hope is found. Whatever you do, though, When this pandemic is all over and when life returns to normal, because it will, I promise you, it will. But when that glorious day comes, don't let yourself go back to business as usual. You know, discipleship as usual, life as usual, church as usual, society as usual. No. Use this time, use this this Easter season under quarantine to reflect on where your hope is found. I know that like for our church, we are learning so much through this experience. We are, we're learning the value of community in ways we've never understood it before, the value of worshiping together. We're being challenged in new ways to, to extend our own boundaries, to open up the mediums through which we practice things like community, prayer, worship. God has been incredibly active in our church at this time. And we can't go back to church as usual. We have to extend our reach and grow our ministries in in bold and daring new ways beyond the four walls of our sanctuary. This pandemic has proved that. But more than that though, we've got to do these things because the tomb is empty. Death has been defeated. We are experiencing the joy, the hope, And also the fear and anxiety of the season like never before. And that's because new life has come. God is calling us to something new. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of new life. Thank you for the resurrection and the empty tomb. God, we pray for our congregation, for our community, and for the world. And Lord, I pray for everyone who is hearing my voice right now. For those who don't know you, God, I I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in powerful ways this Easter season. Help them to see your love for them. Point them toward the empty tomb and the hope that can overcome anything. And for all of us, God, call us afresh into the hope of Easter. Call us afresh into the mission that your son's resurrection lays out for us. A mission that's going to take us out of the sanctuary, out of our homes eventually when, it, when it's safe, and out into the world to carry on your resurrection work. Your work, your holy work, Lord of making all things new. God, lead us into new life through your wisdom. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter, at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.